0: Hi, I'm Jonathan Griffin, and you're listening to GUT Talks, double t
1: Hi everyone, I'm Maria, and welcome to Season 3 of GUT Talks, double a podcast about business, design, and gut feelings. I started Talks a couple of years ago to educate, spread some karma on the board, connect, reconnect, or learn from awesome entrepreneurs, industry leaders, and investors. By the way, there are no sponsors on the show, but a like, a share, comment, and hitting the subscribe button would mean a lot. Now let's get started. So this is the next episode of our segment with Jonathan Griffin where he shares some insightful points in the sports world in the technology and coaching spaces specifically in football and rugby here we go so a few points here the first one i watched a bit like i tried to focus put it that way a bit on a little bit on football before uh, having our conversation and and i saw a metric that they had on tv and it was like total distance covered or and i was looking at it and i'm like And who cares? You you know, that was my gut reaction initially, because if the team is maybe playing well or not, I don't know, but they're running so much, they're possessing the ball perfect, but they're not scoring anything. So does it really matter? Why do they show this kind of data?
0: So they show that data because I think it makes a lot of supposed intuitive sense to uh, somebody just watching TV you're a the team, and it's a nice data point to have, but fundamentally, it's given because it's easily got. So uh, the, the the data collection companies that have a contract with, let's say, with a league, that would be one of the few metrics that they're able to get. They wouldn't be privy to the more detailed, more useful data. So that's just a generic metric that, that they can chuck out. But to your point, that it becomes actually quite interesting insofar as that you could be a possession team. And never win. You just zero, zero draws, but you've got 60, 70% of possession, but it's meaningless. There are other teams out there that might have, you know, 30, 40% possession, but they're winning 3 2. So uh, the metric in itself is meaningless. The metric relative to your KPIs and the game model that team have actually becomes quite important. So for instance, if you're a team that Let's say you cover the most amount of uh, distance in the league you, that's what you do every single week that's just what your team does the high possession they keep a lot they keep the ball and everybody covers a like, 12 15 K well then that's going to drive a lot of your recovery it's going to drive what you do during the week it's going to drive the predominance of training modalities based on uh, the need not only to recover, but to potentiate, but also to to acquire ongoing development of uh, your aerobic system. So if that metric's important, it will drive something. If it's not important, if it's just up on TV, take it for what it is. It's... It's interesting to a point, but it, I think the the real question is, what does that mean? What does that metric mean? I think when people ask that, then it becomes interesting discussion around the TV.
1: Yeah, okay. I get the context. So it's more, uh, can be a social metric, put it that way, for people yeah. watching around the TV. Okay. Yeah. Does this, however, this metric, does it get used to, to I don't know, to showcase the progress of a team somehow or an evolution or it doesn't really matter? Um, or how do you measure the progress of a team that's not winning necessarily, but progressing?
0: Well, I think the key is to understand what they're trying to achieve. So you and I watching TV... And I'm uh, here, one of the teams here in the UAE. I'm not privy to any of that information, so that becomes quite difficult. Fundamentally, it's how many games are they winning, and you know, possibly how how effective they are. But you know, in, let's say in front of goal, how many balls do they turn over or, or not turn over? But until we know how a team wants to play and what their KPIs actually are, that becomes. Impossible. So you're just watching the game for the enjoyment of watching football. For me, the enjoyment actually is getting into that detail and trying to work that out. And, you know, if you watch, let's say, you know, Liverpool or or Man City are probably the two easiest to to describe because they're relatively structured teams and it's pretty obvious what, what they're trying to do. So that becomes really, I think, really interesting. I think they just, you know, the greatest respect to Klopp and, and Pep, they just do what they do better than anybody else can defend it. And that's a huge compliment. I think that's massive because they're able to win a lot of games and that's fundamentally what we're after. So, you know, I think this is, this is the whole thing around data. Data is only as good as the as what goes in and, you know, in terms of what comes out. Uh, so we've mm-hmm. got to be putting in quality data, but we have to be able to interpret it within a context and each team will have a different context.
1: You know, when you do research and you read sometimes some articles and you read the title often a clickbait just to click on it, but then you try to dig deeper and they give some metrics and some measurements. And let's, for instance, I have a podcast, kind of podcast in Italian, and we look at a bit at investments, you know, and then you have the biggest investments made in Europe or the largest firms. And then you try to look at the details and it's not showing you how did they get to that conclusion. And then you have question marks here because it It doesn't make sense sometimes because you wanna understand it if you have questions, no one can answer it. It's i mean I personally drop it but <laughs> a few things here you touched on metrics and uh performance metrics and so on and then you said something critical going back to qualitative information is asking a player how you're feeling today and now with the data you have and matching this with if you want the more human aspect and how they're feeling you know and other circumstances that can happen in their lives as well because these are human beings it's like someone not happening in a company right who wants to leave or i don't know is there room for any kind of, you know, probability of lying and saying, I'm not feeling well at all. But is this putting players under more pressure?
0: Yeah, so so that's, that's certainly an interesting one. The, the simple answer is yes. And um, If you put it in the context that, you know, a player may be thinking, I might be getting asked this question. And the answer is going to go straight back to the coach and I might get dropped or I'm not going to get selected, or I'm going to get sold. Mm-hmm. Um, so players live in a stressful world. Football is a stressful place, particularly for players, because there is uncertainty. And so far as that, you might get sold. That's not particularly pleasant. So you're know, having to develop a you know, your EQ qualities around that to be able to firstly maintain your own sense of self and and whatever you... But, being able to then integrate into an environment also becomes really important because you have to be part of a team. It can't be 10 plus one, it has to be 11. So trusting relationships becomes critical. So leadership becomes really important in that space. So how we go about that becomes really important. So developing relationships and collaborations with players and understanding who they are you know they are people who play f- professional football and the great stories of of Sir Alex Ferguson being that he didn't just know every player's name he knew their wives he knew their kids he knew where they those kids were to school he knew their birthdays every wife got flowers on their birthday he knew the names of of you know the janitorial staff and the key gate staff and, and everything in between like the man was leadership personified so If you can develop trust and loyalty, you know, and that's an interesting word in itself, loyalty. But if you can certainly develop trust in players to give me the information that's going to enable me do my job, knowing that my job is to ensure that you're in the best place possible today, that becomes really, really important. And I think what you'll find is I went through issues with this as a young practitioner. You're thinking, you know, that practitioner is not that good. And the fundamental was people trusted that practitioner. And that practitioner did things to make people feel good. Now, I'm not saying feel good to the detriment of being good, but there's a lot to be said for, you know, being able to make sure somebody can perform as well as been feeling good. There's a huge amount in that. So it's not just about for you, certainly for young practitioners coming through, it's not just about the data. It's not just about ensuring you move from A to B. It's how we go about that, you know? And I think the phrase you used, you know, they're human beings that spend an enormous amount of time away from the football club. So empathizing with the stress they're under and the fact that they have other lives, yet they come in and they perform at such a phenomenal level on a day to day basis and then have to go out in front of 60, 70, 80, 90,000 people. That's pretty hard. Not a lot of people can do that and do it well. So uh, trusting relationships, I, I think, becomes really important. And I think that um, certainly the clubs that I've worked in have done really good jobs in terms of ensuring that they bring in good people, enable us to establish good relationships. And you then have to prove yourself. I'm not just going to trust you because you say, I have to trust you. You then have to go through that whole process of, of ensuring that, that um that uh, you are trustworthy and, and, you know, you've got to accelerate that. That's a, an interesting space for practitioners, an interesting space for coaches, certainly an interesting space for players. And I assume, you know, going back into the commercial world, that there, there'll be something similar in terms of trying to understand, you know, trust through levels, management yeah. and managerial and, and leadership. It, it's exactly the same uh, in the football world.
1: And transparency, I guess, as well, because sometimes you have to say harsh truth and going back to your example, it's not about what people want to hear. It's what they should hear, what they should know, because this is the only way to, it's not always pleasant or nice to hear. But I think transparency is the only thing that can allow relationships to thrive in an organization as a whole to move forward.
0: I agree. I put a caveat on that. I think it's it's how that's delivered. And again, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a big learning curve for me uh, as, as I've moved through my career is, you know, just telling someone what they need to hear is not always productive. Telling people what they need to hear in an appropriate manner. And the reason I say that is I've gone through that and, and I've made those mistakes. And I've seen other practitioners do the same. But the context is these are people who play professional football and have many other aspects to their lives. So what we're talking about is it's an important piece of the life, but often it's a small piece. And uh, being empathetic is an important quality. and And those great practitioners are that. You can deliver harsh truths in, in an appropriate manner. And you know the great coaches do that. That's often a reason why they become great coaches. Um they're able to lead and, and great leaders themselves are able to do that sort of thing. You know, they they have that quality because of their the way they interact with people around them that people trust them, want to follow them, want to engage with them, want to do what they want to do, what is required or, or asked of them. So you are right but I think the EQ piece is a, is a big piece that's missing in the development of of certain young practitioners in in my world and you know I spend a bit of time in in the commercial world. You know, people always come to sport, you know, you know, what do you guys do and stuff. And EQ is important in, in, in that space. And, you know, particularly exec- you know, executive coaches are now pretty ubiquitous. And I see the value in them. I, I've engaged with them myself. And you're seeing a lot of these sort of leadership courses out there. And, and EQ is a big piece of that now. So hopefully... That's something that's becoming a little bit more uh, the norm, but certainly it's not at the basic level coming into, into my world, which I think it should be. But I understand there are many things. You know, You want good practitioners to be good practitioners, and there's a lot of stuff to learn. And layering and layering and layering, there's just, it becomes a capacity piece. But I think what you'll find is the great clubs and great companies support their staff to grow. And uh, um, that's a quality that, that I've always looked for in not only management, but also in organizations I've gone to work for.
1: It starts with the gut. It ends with the gut. It's in your gut.
0: Gut Talks.
1: Thanks for listening. Subscribe, share or like to get notified about the upcoming episodes of this segment and upcoming segments.